Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Fallon. You're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. I cannot believe it is 2021. Um, whatever 2020 held for you. You know, some people, it, it lives changed, of course, because everyone's life changed to some degree, but some were more drastic changes. I think I've talked about this before on my end, but uh, my life was very similar. Uh, you know, I mean, I still had, I went to work the entire time. We changed things up at work, safety precautions. Uh, my husband started working from home. My stepson did distance learning. He's with us like a week and then his mom a week. And so having Jake home was a big difference, but my mom took care of my daughter and that didn't change. So a lot of things were pretty similar, but maybe for you, there were big changes. And maybe 2020, someone actually messaged me and they're like, I feel so guilty, but I, I had something great and amazing happen. And I hate even posting about it because I know so many people have had terrible 2020s. And I was like, look, you deserve to be happy in a crappy year. This just happens to be a year where something huge and exciting happened for you you don't have to hide that. You get to be proud of it. But maybe it was a rough year for you. And I know we, we kind of go into a new year and people joke, new year, new me, or whatever that may be. And here we go, get ready for it. But it's like, you know what, whatever it takes, if you go into the year with that positive outlook and it works for you, then good. Uh, we had a really great Christmas here. Uh, Minnesota got, <laughs> I was like, are we not going to get snow in Minnesota for Christmas? And Oh, it delivered just a couple of days before we got, I think, like five or six inches, which was quite a lot um, to just fall. And it was blizzard, like uh, with like crazy winds and blowing, and it was beautiful. And we were, you know, hunkered down anyway, so it worked out. Uh, got my daughter, so like a huge oversized teddy bear. Oh, we got it. We added a new family member. We got a kitten. We rescued her from an organization called Angel of Hope, and she's a long hair. They call her Tuxedo Cat, I guess, which I hadn't heard of that before, but it's where they're black and white, so it's probably pretty common if you know anything about cats. It was not to me. Um, I hadn't had a cat in a couple of years. Uh, My kitty cat, she passed away a couple years ago, Drew. I'd had her for 15 years, so it's a new experience with a kitten all over again, and I I could go on and on, but I really hope you had a good holiday and a good new year. And I it's interesting because this episode is going to cover what we dealt with in 2020. It's going to cover it in a big way, and it's going to cover cover it. And uh, it was a someone asked me. I did one of those you know Instagram things. If you follow me, Fallon F A L E N K D W B on Instagram, one of those year end things where it's like share your favorite thing that happened in 2020 or share a photo. And someone asked, "What's your favorite heartbroken episode?" I thought that was an interesting question because I don't know that I have favorites. I think I have days where certain stories hit me harder, you know, and uh, this one hit me. This one was uh, hard for me to compose myself a couple of times, and I think you will probably have the same reaction. But I also, moving forward into this year, 
really want your feedback. I want your feedback on all things for the Heartbroken Podcast. What do you like? What do you not like? Do you like that we have a therapist on every month? Do you wish we didn't? Do you wish it was less often? Do you wish it was more often? Um, you know, I am going to stick to my, my basics of relationship-based stories. We do other stories occasionally, but it really is uh, at the root of heartbroken was meant to be a relationship-based one, but I know there are so many forms of heartbreak. That's why I've uh, brought on other episodes, and I think those have been some of the biggest episodes, so I want to keep sharing those, um, and you can always send me your story. People say, how do I get my story on? It's super easy. You just email me, Fallon, at kdwb.com, and I'm actually pretty terrible at responding to people. I just save the emails in a file, and then when I need a new episode, I'll reach out to people. So if you've sent one, you're like, I never heard back. I have it saved in a folder. I apologize for that. I just get so many, it's hard for me to keep track of. So um, without any further ado, I guess, let's get into this episode. Amanda's joining me today on the Heartbroken Podcast. What will we hear in your story today, Amanda? So after so much heartbreak, I thought I finally found my fairy tale ending, but it was all taken away very suddenly. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Amanda, I want to I want to talk about that fairy tale ending because uh, how long ago was it? What is your husband's name? My husband's name is DJ. Okay, DJ. How? Tell me a little bit about how long ago you met DJ and a little bit about your story. So back in 2015, I was in the middle of a pretty nasty divorce. Um, I had moved back to the Midwest um, with my daughter, who was seven months old, and I was kind of just trying to find myself again. Uh, I started a new job at a car dealership in the evening so that I could go to grad school during the day. And um, on my first day, I walked in and I was getting introduced to everybody and all the sales guys were on the floor. And so I walked up to this guy and he was big in all senses of the word. He was six, six, and just this linebacker like guy, very intimidating. Um, and he just gave me this mischievous smile and <laughs> looked me up and down and he grabbed a paperclip off his desk and he threw it down and he asked if I would pick it up for him. <laughs> so, <God. laughs> and so of course I saw red and I gave him daggers with my eyes and I walked away and didn't acknowledge him for the rest of the day. Um, the next day that I worked, he wasn't there. So I thought I had really lucked out and that I wasn't ever going to have to deal with that jerk again. And, um, he ended up coming, coming back from a guy's trip and, uh, he put all of his efforts into making sure that I didn't despise him. He spent what seemed like hours just trying to entertain me and keep me laughing and, uh, flirting with me almost no time selling cars. Um, but (laughs) we, we just became friends so quickly and, um, I kept him in the friend zone for a really long time until, um, he just wore me down, I think. Um, 
we did everything together. We went out for drinks, we went out for dinner, we went to concerts and um, just anything that we could do together, we were doing it. And then one night he invited me to a bonfire and then I didn't find out until we were on the way there that it was actually a family gathering and I was going to get introduced to his parents. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. <laughs> so um, after that, I just, I leaned into it and um, I'm so thankful that I did because it really turned into being this wonderful marriage and a wonderful friendship. I know we're going back a little bit here, but after he brings you to the family and everything, did you immediately, were you like, okay, we will start dating then? Um, Pretty much. It was, uh, I thought I would give it a chance. I mean, I was still in the middle of the divorce, so I was still dealing with a lot of hurt. Um, My ex-husband just woke up one day and decided that he didn't want to be a, a husband or a father anymore. So I was dealing with wow. a lot of rejection. And um, I didn't know if I could trust somebody with not just my feelings, but I had a very little girl who had her life uprooted as well. So I was very protective, but I slowly let him in and his family kind of just wrapped their arms around us and and didn't let us go. So um, we are very much involved with um, doing family things together. And he instantly was just drawn to my daughter and they became a pair almost instantly. And, um, he just put in the time and, and really, he really put in the effort to make it work, even though he was this single guy who was, uh, living, <laughs> living that bachelor lifestyle. And here I come with this little baby and, and looking for stability and, and he just kind of stepped up to the plate and made it happen. There's kind of something special about a person like that. And I think there's something like, um, you know, I've had friends who've had uh, men come into their lives and take over that that position. And they're just like, oh, I, I assume they won't want this quote unquote baggage. They won't want this in their life. They're living the dream. But it seems so natural for them. Like it, they didn't even question anything else. Yeah. But he, it, was, it was like he knew. And the first time that we went out to drinks, he had told me, he's like, I don't know what it is about you, but I'm going to marry you. And at the time I'm like, this guy is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he was just so confident in us and what we could do that it kind of just pushed me to, I mean, I believed him. So we created this life together. We, um, we got engaged and we bought a house and we finally had all of our family under one roof. Um, and then we eloped to Mexico with all of our closest friends and family and had a beautiful wedding. And we came back to our lives here to just, I guess, live the American dream in a way. I mean, two dogs and, and he was in the process of adopting my daughter when, um, when it all kind of just took a turn, um, we had gone to the Dominican Republic over the week before Labor Day of this year. And it was to celebrate his 32nd birthday, but it was also our to celebrate our second wedding anniversary that was coming up in October. And we had planned the trip before COVID and we, we honestly thought that we kind of lucked out that things were slowing down a little bit with, with the outbreak numbers. And so we decided to still go. Um, we 
we had a wonderful, wonderful trip there, but um, he did start to feel sick. And so obviously with, with everything going on, our concerns were heightened. And so Mm -hmm. we just did whatever we could so that we could get back home and, you know, just thought maybe he would be sick for a couple of days and, you know, we would get past it. Um, but when we got home and it, it was Labor Day morning, he woke up and uh, he was just really concerned. He said that he didn't feel like he was breathing well and that he was coughing up blood. And so oh my, yeah, he, he ran into the hospital um, and they started running tests on him. At the time, um, they couldn't tell us what it was, but they transferred him to a hospital across town because they were afraid that his needs would be more than what they could, what they could handle. And mm-hmm. we waited. Um, it took a couple of days, found out that he was COVID positive. Um, and so then, of course, I go get tested and um, mine comes back negative. And so it put me in a, a tricky situation because I couldn't. I couldn't be with him. I was stuck at home holding down the fort here with our daughter who's six now. And all of our communication could only be through FaceTime or texting, but he was, he was high spirits. He was his normal goofy self. He was truly a larger than life character. So there was never a dull moment when he was around and, and that continued while he was in the hospital. And we FaceTimed every day. And since we were all being quarantined, we you know, got a lot of time to spend together. Um, so it obviously, Amanda, it, so because some people have had zero symptoms, some people have had mild symptoms, but obviously he had pretty severe symptoms to be hospitalized. Yes. And so, and he was a large man. So we knew that that was something that people say that is a, you have a heightened risk for mm-hmm. for COVID. So we were very aware of that. Um, he had actually just gone in for his physical right before this and he had gotten a clean bill of health. He was, you know, doing great and there was there was no concerns. But when he got in the hospital, it just seemed like his breathing was going downhill. Um, he was on quite a bit of oxygen, but um, it took about, he was there for 11 days total and probably around day seven, he it was like a light switched and he was, he was doing amazing. They were taking him off of everything. He was so ready to come home, begging the nurses every day, just, you know, is today the day is today the day. And, um, finally they had told him that he would be able to come home on Thursday. And so we planned for that. Um, he had told me that the night before, so Wednesday night, we were I was sitting on the back porch and we were talking on FaceTime and I was having a drink and we were just excited for him finally being able to come home. And he told me he wanted spaghetti and a cold beer as soon as he walked in the door. And and I said, of course, it'll, it'll be there. And, um, just had some laughs and, um, spent some time and then said our good nights and our, I love yous. And, um, I went to bed. Then the next morning I was glued to my phone. Um, I just was anxiously awaiting that call that I could go pick him up at the the hospital. And yeah. I I didn't get a call. I didn't get a text. So I, I started messaging him, asking if he was up yet, if he was feeling okay. And I still didn't get a response. So um, I waited a little while and then 
um, he FaceTimed me and I, it was like a completely different person than who I had just spoken to 12 hours ago. He was, um, unable to concentrate on the conversation. He was, he was very out of it. Um, he told me that during the night he had had some leg pain and that they believed it was a blood clot and that they were treating him for that blood clot and that, um, he would probably have to stay for the day until they got some of those things worked out. Um, so we ended it there and, um, I kind of just let him have his space because I figured he was resting and he was on a lot of pain medication. So he wasn't able to text or talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I received a call, um, or no, I received a text from him about two in the afternoon and all it said was, this is bad. So instantly my heart was racing and I was panicking, thinking, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what now? He was just fine. And, and now what? And I couldn't get a text back from him. I was calling, he wasn't answering. So I called the nurse's station and uh, they just told me that I would have to wait for a doctor to call. When the doctor did finally call, he sounded optimistic. He said that my husband was fine, that he was just, um, they believed it was a blood clot. They were treating him for it. He'd be fine in a few hours and they would give me an update as needed. Um, So I took my daughter for a walk because I just, I think I thought we both needed to just get out of the house for a little bit. And during that walk, I received a call from another doctor in the ICU. And he informed me that my husband was not fine. My husband was very, very sick and that he needed to be put on a ventilator. So, um, Oh my gosh, Amanda, what, I can't imagine getting a call like that. I mean, you're out on a walk with your six-year-old daughter. I mean, what, you've just been told by another doctor, everything's okay. And then you get a call like that. I can't imagine yeah. how that felt. Um, I think I went into crisis mode. Um, I called my in-laws and, um, I just, the doctors told me that I wasn't allowed to be at, at the hospital, but, um, I just, I couldn't bear not being there with him. So I called my in-laws and had them come over to the house to be with my daughter. And I just, ran to the hospital. And when I got up there, um, they told me I could see him, but it turned into hours of just waiting in the waiting room and, and they couldn't really tell me what was going on. Um, and it seemed like every time those doors opened from the ICU out to the waiting room, somebody else would come out and give me another story about what is wrong now. And, and, So it was just changing consistently? It was. So when I got in there, they just believed that it was his oxygen levels tanked. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with his leg. Um, After a couple hours, they had brought in some specialists and they discovered that he had a contracted a flesh eating bacteria while in the hospital and that that was the cause of all of his leg pain. And so... um, a couple surgeons came out. I, I believe it was at that point, it was about midnight. And, um, she told me that I needed to get as many people to the hospital as I needed to, um, be there for me because it was going to be a really long night. So I called his parents and I called my parents and we all 
we're sitting. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Up there, and we were told that the only hope that DJ would have to survive would be to amputate his his leg and they would hope that they could just do it below the knee but they didn't know how severe the damage had already been done by the bacteria. Amanda, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Because I'm going to guess uh I don't know what a situation like this is like. I don't know how much time you get to ask questions, but I mean my first thought and I would imagine and maybe you're an expert in this and maybe you're not, but when someone tells you that your husband he has a flesh-eating bacteria from the hospital. I mean, my mind would wonder a million different places. Like, what does that mean? How did he yeah. get that in the hospital? Did they answer those questions or were you sitting there Googling things? It was It was a lot of Google. They weren't um, – because of his condition, they weren't, they weren't spending a ton of time in the waiting room discussing things with us. It was – Honestly, I felt like I was being thrown in these situations of you have to decide and you have to decide now. And my husband was 32 years old and I'm 29. We've been married not even for two years yet. You don't have the conversations where you sit down and discuss if this were to happen or if something, if I were to be hospitalized for something, this is what I would want. And I had to make all of these decisions without without my partner to help me walk, walk me through them. So, um, the surgeons were, they at least told me, they said, if you don't do the surgery, he won't survive. We don't know if he'll survive through the surgery, but it's his only chance. So I, I made the choice to, Mm -hmm. for them to do whatever they needed to do. Um, they did let me see him before he went back for surgery Um, I got to spend a few minutes with him and he was obviously unconscious, but, um, just to see him for the first time in person in 11 days was, was wonderful in itself, but, um, he made it through the surgery by some, I don't know how he did it, but they worked tirelessly and they, they got him through. And I think it gave everybody like this little bit of hope. We all thought like, okay, he's fighting. He's going to. He's going to pull through for us. He's not ready yet. And so the next few hours, it was us just sitting there waiting to see if his condition would improve. And if they had gotten all that bacteria, then he should have started rebounding. And um, it just seems like that wasn't the case. Uh, It seemed like every time they came back out, there was a little worse news. They had him hooked up to every every drug you can imagine that he was, his kidneys were shutting down. He was on dialysis. Um, he, he wasn't able to retain blood. I, I believe he got almost 30 units of blood between, between the surgery and afterwards. And so um, in the, in the early morning of, of Saturday um, 
I finally, there was the doctor that I had talked to the night before that had told me that DJ was so sick. He came out and sat with me and, and told me that at this point, your husband has been with such low oxygen for so long that his, his quality of life would be, would be low. And I had to make the decision if we were going to keep him on the ventilator and see if he would improve or if we would make the choice to go ahead and let him go and, and go in some sort of dignity. Um, he had a long road ahead of him. They did not get all the bacteria. They believed they would have to do another surgery and it just didn't seem like there was a good end in sight. It was just a nightmare that just kept getting worse and worse. So that's exactly what we did. Um, I talked to his parents and then mm. we all agreed that um, he wouldn't want a life that wasn't able to be lived to the fullest because that was just who he was. So um, I, they let me have about two hours with him and I just held his face and I sang to him and I talked to him for, for every moment. He was always the talker in our relationship. I would just sit and <laughs> laugh and listen to him. And um, I just, I promised that everything was going to be okay. And that, you know, we would be taken care of and um, that it was okay that, you know, he, he could let go. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like I said earlier, we were in the process of adopt. He was in the process of adopting my daughter our daughter when, when COVID had started. So everything got halted. And so, um, I promised him that I would, um, I wouldn't be able to let him adopt her, but I promised that I would change her name so that she could always be who she was always meant to be, which was his. And, um, after about two hours, they finally were able to get him stable and, um, they were able to let him go peacefully. And, um, I was so glad that I got to be there for that last moment. Even if, you know, he wasn't able to, to say goodbye, I was able to have that with him. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a whirlwind. I mean, he was 32 years old and we had people constantly calling and in disbelief that it was happening and you have to go right into like a productive mode. You have so many people to call, you have so many things that need to be taken care of and you just, you don't even feel human. You just feel like you're just going through the motions. Yes. Amanda, did you, where you ate, did your daughter know anything was going on through this? So I, I didn't tell her, um, she didn't know I was at the hospital. Um, I was able to, she went to bed that night. Um, and then obviously I was gone for the whole next day. Um, I got home late on Sunday evening and I made the decision that I wanted her. She had such a good day. She spent the day with her her aunt and they went shopping and they went on a scavenger hunt and they had so much fun. I didn't want her to associate that wonderful day with the day that she lost her dad. Mm -hmm. So the next morning um, I got up and put myself together and uh, had her brought home. And 
we sat down outside in the sunlight and I, I had to tell her that, um, daddy wasn't going to get better and he wasn't going to be coming home. And, uh, we both just kind of broke in that moment because he was our, he was our protector. He was our, our everything. I am so sorry, Amanda. Let me start by saying that because this just, I mean, this recently happened and this is, it doesn't matter how long, if it had been four, 10 years from now, yeah, that absolutely. is a conversation nobody wants to have with their, you know, child and their child. Yeah. And you have to be this, you have to be the strong parent for her. You know, you're going through something so sudden, so devastating. And you, like you said, you had to go into this productive mode. You have to let people know. You have to start setting things up because there has to be a funeral. You have to be a strong pillar for your daughter because, I mean, at six years old, they understand, but they're six years old, you know. What, What date was this, Amanda? So he passed away on September 18th. What has, what have the past few months been like for you? Um, so the first week I, I couldn't even tell you, <laughs> I, I know I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I didn't, I don't, couldn't tell you what I even did, but um, we are surrounded by such an amazing family and community. Um, I was never alone, which was, which was good because I don't know what I would have done with that time. <laughs> had I had to sit in that feeling, but, um, I, I planned the funeral. I, um, we had a wonderful celebration of life from him for him. And so many people came out and supported us. Um, he, his story was actually featured on the, the news one night. And, um, so we were so busy with all of those things, but then a couple weeks after that, I mean, it was like, you have to go back to normal. You have to find a new way to, you never move on, but you have to move forward. You have to figure out what's next. So figuring out the steps on how do I get to a place where I can go back to work, where, where we can get into the new groove of things. And, um, it's been hard. It's been exhausting. Um, I mean, I would, of course, never wish this on anybody, but it just puts a real toll on your, your spirit and your body. Um, it, it's been hard, but, um, I feel like I'm getting to a place now that almost of acceptance that I have so many, so many great memories. We only got five years together, but during that time we were able to fill it with just, wonderful trips and experiences and memories. And I feel like it's my duty at this point to highlight those things. My daughter and I lay in bed every night and we, we talk about our days and we, we talk about our dad and, and how much we loved him and his funny jokes and our trip to Disney world and the movies that he loved. And I just, I feel like it's my duty that she's so young that we have to, I have to do everything in my power so that she can hold on to that for him. 
which has been good for me as well because I feel like mm-hmm. I can release release that good and and not be so stuck in my my sorrows and my loneliness what are the hardest moments for you I thought the I thought the holidays I mean, obviously we have the holidays coming up anyway, but I thought that they would be earth shattering, but I had our first wedding anniversary, um, about a month and a week after he passed. And, um, I chose to stay home that day. I made sure that somebody took my daughter out and I, I stayed home. Um, (laughs) and in all of my grief, I, put my wedding dress on I (laughs) I cried I ate our wedding cake I (laughs) I did all the things that I don't know I just I kind of let it out and um, looked back at pictures and it was just a moment that I, I never thought that I would not spend that day with him and it that that day would not be special and so that was really hard to come to terms with that um, the day that we had specifically picked out to get married is has such a different emotion behind it now. Mm. Have you had time to be mad yet? I haven't. I I um I feel like it was so out of our control and that he this is obviously not what he would have wanted. He would have never chosen to go this way. He would have never um, wanted to leave us. But maybe because of the lack of control and how the world has been the last eight months, I just feel that it was just what was what was in the cards and we just didn't know it all along. Um, it makes me much more appreciative of what I have in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really caused me to reflect on who I am as a person and the relationships that I have with others. um, Because I never want to be in the position again that I feel like I didn't say something I should have because it goes so quickly. And I can now see that glaring me in the face. Is there something you feel like you miss telling him? Or do you feel like you got you because you described your relationship as a pretty healthy one. I'm gonna guess you had your normal arguments like every other couple. Absolutely. <laughs> do you? <laughs> but do you feel like you you told him everything you ever wanted to? I. I mean, we absolutely had our moments. Um, we were both very passionate people, and so our arguments were loud, and we were, mm-hmm. um, but we did have such a good friendship and such a good love that um, I don't, I don't ever question that, you know, he felt loved until the end. Obviously, I, I know that while he was in the hospital, he was having a hard time dealing with being there and being alone. Um, So I think that's kind of where my guilt comes in that I couldn't be there with him. Mm -hmm. I was only there with him at the end. I wasn't with him there through all of it. And so 
if anything, I just wish that um, I, I maybe would have gotten more of that time. I didn't get the goodbye I wanted. I got the last thing I heard from him was, this is bad. So it's not the best note to end on, but um, I think- But you had the, had a good conversation the night before. The night before. So that definitely, that definitely yeah. fills my heart with, with some joy. And, um, but I- I'm so thankful that we did have such a, we had a wonderful week in paradise before, before he went to the hospital and we were, it was just the two of us with good food and drinks and laying on the beach and just being all swept up in each other all over again. And I think that that's, I'm what I'm most thankful for. Well, Amanda, I know as the holidays do come into play, like I, I just, I'll I'll be thinking of you and your daughter and I just I know that I I know that you're going to make the best of it and I know that you're going to make great new memories with her while keeping, you know, him a very huge part of her life and your life and I just I just am so sorry you went through this. I mean, like you said it was already such a strange and awful year, but to then have this on top of it all um I, I'm so sorry you went. Th- you've gone through this. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it's not an easy, sh- easy story to share. Did you? Do you feel like what made you want to share your story? So, I started listening to the podcast pretty much right when you started putting out episodes. And for the longest time, I thought maybe one day I'll write about the relationship that I had with my ex-husband and how that all fell to pieces and I would be able to end it and end the episode with this wonderful story about how I found, found this man who brought me so much joy and, and love. And I don't know, I, I, um, this previous weekend I had decided that I wanted to go get a memorial tattoo for him and I got a paperclip on my wrist um, (laughs) as a remembrance of our first time meeting. And Mm -hmm. so when I got the, when I got the tattoo, it was like these words just kept pouring out of me. And I just wanted the world to see that it's not just the sorrow of losing him, but I also have, I still have all of that love from our story. And so, um, I put it out into the world and and I sent it to you and it just felt like it was the right time to to do it and I know he would be so so proud and so happy that I was doing it because he always wanted me to push myself out of that comfort zone and um, so I guess yeah. I'm doing it for him. Well, I am so honored that you chose to share your story here. I love that you got that paperclip tattoo. I think it's just, it's perfect. And um, just thank you so much for sharing your story with me today, Amanda. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.